This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 341. Graham Weber on Hypnotic Service. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. I am truly excited for you to hear this conversation with Graham Weber. I've interacted with Graham a number of times over the years, whether it's various trips that I've done over to the UK or interacting in different communities online. And what's always interesting is to hear that journey from some other profession, from some other career path, and that spark of curiosity that then brings people into hypnosis, which Graham is coming into this with more than 18 years experience serving in the British Army. And I have to say this, that, you know, through the tours of service that he did, whether it was Iraq or Northern Ireland or even Afghanistan, which is definitely in the news these days, I can imagine that brings an entirely different perspective to what people unfortunately sometimes have to go through and more importantly, how we help them to then get on the other side of it. So this fascination around hypnosis, which has gone on for more than a decade now, really helps to inform the work that he does. And you're going to hear that passion in this conversation, as well as, I would say, this incredibly noble gift that he has given back to the profession in terms of how he's responded business-wise to the pandemic. I'll just let that kind of sit for now. You're going to hear this beautiful insight from him inside of this conversation, which extends to the fact that as we talk about community, Graham is now running a phenomenal community online, which we'll put the links to that in the show notes over at worksmarthypnosis.com. And you'll hear all the details inside of this conversation. And personally, I'm looking forward to presenting that community coming up rather soon. As we're talking about community, this is what we do with Work Smart Hypnosis Live and online. This is our fully professional training and certification course. You see, the interesting thing is that there's so many people that come into hypnosis and perhaps they get a little bit of, let's say, sporadic training over time, and perhaps they do know some great skills and techniques, but the challenge then becomes, okay, there's now a client in front of you. How do you actually now put it all together? And that was the biggest conflict that I had when I got all into all of this about, you know, 15, 16 years ago or so, and really creating a course that satisfies that. How is it that we can hit the ground running? How is it that we can ask the right questions at the right time so that even though our client may not realize that they're speaking in code and they're telling us exactly what techniques to use, when, where, and why, and what modifications to then make use as a part of it. This is why when we do work smart hypnosis live and online, we get a bit of a mixed audience. Half of the people are brand new, and this is the first official training they're doing. Meanwhile, the other half are seasoned professionals or perhaps, let's say, book smart uh, with their learning, and now they're looking to get those further refinements from people who are actually doing the professional work of hypnosis and are happy to share with you what's working right now. You can find all the details of the next event at WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com. Be sure to watch the entire video at the top of that page. It'll give you a full tour and an exact feel for the training even before you sign up. Check that out at WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com. And with that, let's jump directly into this phenomenal conversation. Here we go, session number 341, Graham Weber 
on hypnotic service. My very first introduction comes from the back end of magic. I started learning magic when yeah. I was saving, saving to get married at the age of 21. And um, all of a sudden online uh, via magic companies, there was something called Zap, which was actually released first. It was an induction during a shock induction. Oh, I remember Zap. Yes. Um, <laughs> now, from what I know, it was very dangerous. But um, at the time, I was looking at it thinking, how do you put this together? And it just couldn't happen. And it kind of started my peak of interest into hypnosis. Uh, I then come across uh, Anthony Jacquin and the Head Hackers, Choby Connection, and Manchurian Approach, Jonathan Chase, and, m- and many other people who I just started reading and reading and looking at different things. But if I was to really go back into my very first look, it was from reading the book Trick of the Mind by Darren Brown. Yeah. Um, when he had a very basic script. And I remember just talking my nan through it. And she was like, I'm like, did you feel it? Did you notice anything? And obviously she, she had some sort of reaction, but whether I knew if or not it was hypnosis at that time, it's simply a guess to me. We just piqued a lot of curiosity and not to spend too much time on this, but I'll just give the quick overview. I forget his, the man's name who did it, but Zap was this sort of instant induction program where, um, tell me if I'm using the fair words, and it's not my place to speak negatively of it because they're not here, but you are like yanking the person to the ground and launching them a good five or six feet away. To his credit, he did say, just tell them to fall safely, and that works. Yeah, his, Which, it was. Uh... <laughs> in, in, in a moment, I'm going to pull on your arm, and when I do, you're going to fall like a sack of potatoes. That was his, that was his classic opening talk, his pre-talk as such. Yeah, and also his son was with him as well because his son was classed as the youngest hypnotist, as he used to yeah. declare. So then from, again, just the curiosity from magic to then here's the videos, then here's the world of the Jackwins and Jonathan Chase. Uh, what was the sort of other journey at the same time? Because you're were you in military at that time too? Yeah, yeah. So I, I've been serving uh, since the 10th of June, 2002. I still serve now. I'm a sergeant in the Royal Electrical Mechanical Engineers uh, as a vehicle mechanic. And I still use that time mostly to build myself up. I've got I've got four years left to build up my career to when I get a full pension. There's not very many people who get a full pension from the day you leave somewhere for the rest of your life. Yes. And obviously pride as well. You know, I, was, I had army cadets when I was younger. Uh, I always had a vision of what I wanted to do. Although I only joined the army for four years initially, good times have carried me through more. And obviously now <laughs> towards the end as well, it's it's family-based, making sure I've got that security. And as much as I know for the career that I can make with hypnosis, and, and everything in the pathway, it's, it's also just knowing that you're going to get to that, the end of that color service and get the big pat on the back, so to say. Yeah, I love that and definitely respect that there's people I've worked with over here in the States that kind of fell into a similar category as to this many years left and then here comes the pension, this many years and then, you know, these, we have different countries, of course, but the fact of the health insurance is now covered by doing this out. But even from that perspective of, you know, this is service, this is something that I'm a part of. And uh, part, part of the reason I wanted to have you on here is one, respecting the work that you do, but also two, that balance and this beautiful place coming down the road as to as this story ends, it's not the what am I going to now do? It's that it's already built, right? No, absolutely. As, as I was saying before, I was... Um... I was at the Army versus Navy rugby match where I was playing with my band. I was entertaining the, the Remy tent, so my cat badge's tent. Uh, when I bumped into an old boss, he was a senior soldier, what's known as an, an ASM, an artificer sergeant major. 
I checked in with him to see how he was getting on. And he turned just to say he went for officer commissioning and he wasn't selected. He was turned down. And until that point, he'd literally set his life on going commission that he hadn't looked at any other avenue as to what he may do for when he gets out. And it was like, you know, he's literally about to go from being a senior soldier to a civilian in weeks. He hadn't planned it and he didn't know where he was going. Now, with the qualification and things for his role, I'm sure he found um, a good enough a good enough job to be able to to carry him. But obviously, that self pride and everything at that moment was completely took from under his feet as such, because th then he never had it. And I always vowed to myself from that point that I was going to find something and start planning from that day. And it pretty much was from then that I started to plan everything, look looking even more into my hypnosis. But that that kind of never stopped. But then I started started <laughs> to find a pathway into into the therapy side of life because obviously at first I started it for entertainment to complement um, magic. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask. That the original sort of curiosity was that here's something else I can present. What was part of that transition then in terms of now using it to help people? Well, the interesting thing, Jason, is when I very first started hypnosis. Even though I was reading everything, even though I was watching through and I said, like I said, I read that script to my nan, it actually took me four years to very first hypnotize someone. Mm -hmm. I could do magic until the horses came home and, and, <laughs> and, and wow people. But I could never, because I never had a coach, I think. I think that's a big thing. I never actually ever had a coach in the hypnosis side of it. And I didn't know what it was that I was doing wrong, which couldn't achieve an arm lock or, or anything else. Um, until one day I was watching a Penguin Magic lecture by a guy called Jay Noblezada. So he was a magician first and then a hypnotist as well. And he simply stated that whenever he introduced himself, he introduced himself as a hypnotist who does magic. Because regardless of the magic that he did, the suggestion of that he was a hypnotist would get the people who wanted to be hypnotized already thinking about hypnosis. And therefore, obviously, the journey would create him to be able to... Um, put them into hypnosis a hell of a lot easier. And, and that stuck with me to one day I was showing someone magic and they, and they just said, oh, what, what else do you do? And I, just, I literally just off the riff of my tongue, I'm a hypnotist. Oh, do you want, And he's like, can you hypnotize me? Of course I can. And it was just that confidence and that belief that day that um, I went into using the seesaw induction by Robert Temple and other things that I'd, I'd learned with a phenomena following Anthony where um, I changed it. Oh, I can't remember the name now. It's Jenny hum Camel Humper, is it, that he uses on the on the, on the the trail. But I, I just remembered the whole phenomena and he, he, could, he couldn't count and everything and um, obviously safely removed all the suggestions and brought them back out. And obviously, all of a sudden, everyone around me, all being squaddy, was like, yes, that's amazing. How have you done that? And then someone else goes to me, can you hypnotize me? I went straight over to him, started to hypnotize him, and it never worked. I was like, oh my God, what's happened? And it wasn't until afterwards I realized that in the middle of hypnotizing that first person and the second person, I'd completely admitted that he was actually my first ever client subject, whichever terminology you'd like to use. Oh, yeah. And that's why I like to use now with any people, whoever I teach, that would you ever allow a trainee, cutthroat, razor shaver, barber, <laughs> go on you for the first time? Because as far as layman's concerned, that's near on the same thing as you're, you're playing with someone's mind. You know, I know as experienced hypnotists know it's not necessarily the, you know, the same thing of playing with minds, but to the layman, they believe you're completely changing their whole world, which is great. 
but providing they don't think that you're that cutthroat barber that's going to uh, potentially slice something in the wrong direction. <laughs> you're, you're making me think of an exchange with my kids the other day, which um, they were trying to tease me as a birthday is coming up and then the year after I'll turn 40. Like, oh, you're getting old. I'm like, no, everything I do is getting so much easier <laughs> um, out of that expectation and just the knowledge that this is the person who's been doing it for this long. Yeah, there's something that just doesn't convey well with the language of let me just practice with you, which we can use that with each other in the early days is in the early days of getting up and running. But there's something to be said about the confidence that we exude or just the statement of I'm a hypnotist. Would you like to work with that? Yeah, well, absolutely. That's, and that's a, that's a great little sentence to use, isn't it? Ken, would you like to work with that? I, I, I like that one. Yeah. So then at what point, let's say, did it move from hobby to now starting to actually offer it out as a service? Yeah. So, I, I, you know, I, I was regularly doing magic shows. Uh, well, I always had a deck of cards on me and yeah. I was just doing individual or group hypnosis at this point. And then I had a sergeant who I worked alongside who... Uh, Regardless of how I worked with him, and he's by far one of the best executioners of work that I, that I worked with in my time. That all of a sudden he started showing signs of of other um, behaviours, and then we found out he was actually going on to medication because he had chronic PTSD from from his times as a sniper, out on tour, and, and and other things as well. And it always just questioned me because whenever you know I wasn't trained hypnotherapist, but if ever I was using hypnosis, I remember the Jonathan Chase. DVD where he taught symbolism and stuff. So I'd always assist people with spider phobias or or just confidence in whichever way. And I was just looking at it thinking, so surely there's got to be easy enough ways of utilizing suggestion and behaviors in order to um, to assist my friend, which then got me looking at different courses. Um, I did I did some courses online where I paid fifteen pound through Welcher. Uh, to all my sins. I never completed it. I never wanted to. I didn't like it. I looked up at some other courses and then I, I came across Carl Smith in the UK Hypnosis Academy, which for me um, assisted me a lot because we talk the same language. You know, we, we the rapport was instantly there. As everyone knows, Carl's got a foul mouth, which works for me really. <laughs> and the, the passage of information, the fun, keeping the fun there, I was able to utilize what I already knew and add to it quite quickly or very quickly in fact to the uh, to the point that in the time of me coming away from the UK Business Academy I've, like, within three months I had a full part-time business up and running to the point Carl wanted me to come back to teach Kinetic Shift because he also knew I had a, a level four instructor in the UK as well so that, that allowed me to share my knowledge of everything else that I have. I want to go back to something you just said, because there's something big inside of the way you phrase something that, correct me if I have the sequence here, that you saw a style of doing it that fit within your own personality, but the key phrase was then, it took everything I already knew and made it better. Yeah, because, so obviously I I already knew how to hypnotize people. I already knew many different induction types. At this point, then I'd probably been doing hypnosis for about two or three years. So I already had the knowledge of how to hypnotize someone. So, but I never knew how to take it further in the therapy sense. So at that yeah. point, I was really able to, con while, while some people on the course were concentrating on how to do the hypnosis, as Carl would have seen me, I, would have, I was already coaching people how to, um, how to do things. 
magnetic fingers, for example, for a simple induction, mm-hmm. I don't agree that many people hold the fingers open before someone tries to click their fingers. Because what for me, what, what looks unnatural there is, why is that person holding the fingers open, letting go last second just before they click the fingers? It's not, it's not a logical principle. The logical principle is someone's already holding their own fingers open. Then when I click my fingers, they come together. So therefore, yeah. I, change, I change it to the fact that as they're holding the hands, natural catalepsy is happening. As I'm explaining to them that in a minute, I'm going to hold my first two fingers up. You're going to stare at the tips of them. But tell, tell you what, rewind, rewind back. And even though this is just audio here, talk, talk us through yeah. that because I can, dude, I can do 30 minutes on finger magnets theory here. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. But I, I, no, I love the specificity. Let, let's rewind back and, and walk us through this. Yeah, so when someone's going into magnetic fingers, the natural thing, hold your hands out, clasp them together, do not bring them up like you're doing a prayer. When it gets to that point, I believe then it's your moment to actually coach the person as to what's going to happen. Because if you're coaching them, you're throwing a suggestion in place that they're going to understand. Now, mm-hmm. normally, a lot of people like to hold the fingers up and they hold their fi- finger and thumb between it to hold them open and say, you're going to look here and they're going to come together. And I, like I said, I think that's unnatural. So I get the person to sit there with their hands clasped. As they're clasping them, I'll talk to them and show them on my hands what's going to happen. Yeah. So one of two one of two things happening. They're naturally causing catalepsy in their hands because they're squeezing already without even realizing, so they're going white-knuckled. Mm-hmm. I'm showing them that I've, uh, to raise their fingers up. When I click my fingers and I, and I do the audio, audible click, their fingers will slowly come together and show them how it's going to look explaining that when they come together, they'll, clo- they'll, you know, they'll take a deep breath, close their eyes, whatever the suggestion may be. And then obviously once they've got it and they've followed it, then, then we go through it. That's it. Simply squeeze your hands nice and tight, bring your fingers up. They've now brought their fingers and made them an inch apart. I'm not holding anything. I'm not involved in that. So therefore, yeah. when I click my fingers, at that point, that the, they then stopped thinking about their fingers. They'll naturally come together. The suggestions go in. And it's, I think... For me, it works because of my magic exposure. It's the same as mentalism as such. The dirty yeah. work's already done without anyone knowing that I've already done the dirty work. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I, I share, and this is just, you know, just to highlight a few elements inside of that, that uh, coming from a former mag- magic background too, the way that I first learned that was you'd get everybody in position with the fingers spread apart, and then you'd start talking about it. And by that point, everyone's fingers had already touched. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, whoops. <laughs> so, I've always done the same thing with putting the tension at the count of three. You're going to expand them and look at the space between. I leave mine vague just to say, watch what happens. Because with all that tension in the hands, the moment they separate, they're going to come back together anyway. But the key thing is this way for a group, we can direct the magic moment at the same time for everybody. Uh, because for the reference, I can now drop that you and three others will get. In the words of David Roth, when something moves on its own, it's always magic. Absolutely. Just us. <laughs> and I also believe as well, you've got a very strong statement afterwards to be able to capture. So if someone said, oh, it just happens naturally. I can simply say, so why was it your fingers were stood up when you first held them there, but they didn't move until I started clicking? Yeah. And then they've got, they've got a really, you know, from the famous words of Mike Mandel, they've then got to start looking inside themselves to then think about what happened. As soon as you start to think inside themselves, they're already going into trance because they're, they're thinking about the, 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 the internal process, which means then anything else that you then go on to, you're already winning. I just want to highlight for everyone, this is one of my favorite 
conversations around this where uh, I was at the IMDHA conference, which was in Florida. It's been online the last couple of years because pandemic. Uh, but there was a moment, one of the last times I was there in person, and it's just to drop the names in the story. It's Sean, it's Scott Sandlin walking over, and his line was, "I just watched Sean Michael Andrews talk about finger magnets for twenty five minutes, hmm. and it's like the best thing I've seen in years." <laughs> and it's not for the technique, it's for the specificity like you're getting into. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, so would you say, and especially looking at here's a kinesthetic way to begin the process, that now becomes your induction often, right? Absolutely. Well, so when I first started and on the diploma with Carl, I, so I, what I always used to do is I used to use the, uh, the magnetic fingers very much like a suggestibility test. But because I used to do like the stage sort of hypnosis and street hypnosis, the way I used to utilize it first was I'd start with saying it's going to be a, a suggestibility test or basically I'm going to look at you now. I'm going to see how good you are for hypnosis. I want you to follow along with this. Do the magnetic fingers, they go into hypnosis without them knowing that they're going to go into hypnosis. I'll get them to close their eyes. Simply say, in a moment, you're going to wake up, you know, you're going to be ready to go into hypnosis. Give me a nod when you're ready. One, two, wide awake. And then I'd go straight into some sort, well, actually, I used to use uh, John Carbone's butterfly induction, a similar confusion induction. And just from that, it was it, it was obviously taking them even deeper. But then, as Carl once said, he's like, if you've already got a hypnosis, what's the point on stopping? And obviously that's yeah. where for me, for therapy side of life, it, 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 you know, it was already simple enough for street and stage. I always still like to use that, that model because one, you, you're already getting fractionation uh, people already getting exposure of going in into hypnosis multiple times, they're becoming more suggestible and you're throwing a lot more, more suggestions in there as well. And they're getting more used to you as a person. Tell me if this description kind of fits that, that often rather than doing one longer session, you're actually doing a couple of smaller sessions, but in one setting. Yeah, no, absolutely. Of course you are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I hit on a while ago too, that especially even, even for online sessions of just the application as to we've got that fractionation, uh, we've got all those, let's go nerdy with the references here, the Bernheim visits, and we've got that ability that we're working with deeper responsibility, uh, responsiveness in the process. And I started seeing a faster, more consistent result, and I could get more work done that way. So then Absolutely. in terms of your clients these days, like what specific issues do you find yourself working with the most? Weight loss still comes around a lot. Yeah. I like to work with anxieties as well. Because anxiety, let's face it, anxiety is one of the biggest things around at the moment. I believe it's due to social media and obviously social, bigger social circles and things. So a lot of a lot of anxiety work, uh, but also weight loss as well. Because back to when I was on my diploma, I lost three stone following that, and oh, and I think awesome. I have a big I, I have a big relation to it, and it's all thanks to Bev Gisborne, um, who's yeah. who I do I do a lot of training with. It's a lot of rewarding work, isn't it? It's you know it works there. So it, whether it's anxiety or or weight loss, I I tend to work more towards them areas. But with the military background as well, it's it's one of them that to advertise with it it's very difficult because all i can ever do is look for word of mouth work and word mm -hmm. of mouth work can fall into many different categories and um, i don't need to do therapy i'm very fortunate to have a, a well-paid job at the same time uh, for me at the moment it's all about just a name a presence and the reviews let's face it we all need the reviews to build up our business yeah so then aside from like the word of mouth how is it that people are finding you 
so I've, I've also got um, a site, Google, Google My Business. I don't use any CRM for therapy side of work. And the only reason I don't use it too much is just due to the fact of um, I can't always guarantee I'm going to be available. I don't know if, if I have to go away on an exercise or, or yeah. away to another country or anything. So I just have my basic website, which have put all the relevant SEO in place and, and utilize my presence on Facebook Etc. Just just for people to be able to find me, but a lot of people are word for mouth. I don't, you know, I don't need ten clients a week. I just need to be able to to help people when they need when they need the assistance. Yeah, I, I appreciate what you said though about you know not always knowing when you're going to be available. That I've been I've been pretty open about the schedule of how we were moving over the last uh, couple of months, and mm-hmm. you know kept everybody informed of six houses in five months, and purposefully went into the website that drives the client business and took down some of the pages, mm. you know, just no, for the reason of some of these are things that I would normally see someone for more of an ongoing thing. And it'd be a little bit more specific as to the timing between appointments. And meanwhile, other categories may be a lot more flexible. Uh, so still making it a point to keep seeing the clients and doing the actual work. But again, that place where we kind of have to balance it out from our own life too. Absolutely. And um, I've, I've, I've shared it in many different places as well. Over the last, well, 12, what is it now, 16 months since the pandemic started, I've purposely made it a reason as to not advertise. I've, you know, if I've had any results, I've put like a small post out and things because you need to, you still need to show that you're alive and you're still a business. Mm-hmm. But personal marketing on a specific reach of what I used to do prior to then, I chose not to. Like I said before, you know, I've got a guaranteed wage, come what may, every single month. So there's people who are 100% relying just on therapy work. So if they get found before me, I'd prefer that. I'd much rather them take a crust to be able to continue doing what they're doing and feed their family at the end of the day. If someone finds me, they say they want to work with me, I'm not going to turn them down. But if someone's looking for a therapist during this period or before when, and obviously there was furlough and everything in place, I'd much rather someone has been able to go there to get a full paid day's work rather than me who already has a job take extra away as such. Although there's two things inside of that, Graham. The first would be that one, that's amazing. Thank you for that. (laughs) And two, though, that kind of attitude is what I've actually seen more people become successful with, that something changes when we don't operate from the mindset of need. Now, of course, the last, by the time this releases, 16 to 18 months ago, have been a very different time frame. But I'd share a quick interaction with someone who was being a bit abrasive by email and confrontational by email and just finding the most polite way I could phrase it to say, I just want you to know, I'm going to stop responding to these emails now for this polite reason, but you could let this, you've got two options here. One could be the person who would not help you, which is the story you're currently holding on to, or two, the person who refused to take you on as a client because he saw something in you that wasn't ready and was confident enough with, and the person was seeking something that was business oriented, which is where I leaned on this. And the person who's comfortable enough with their own business that they'd rather that time go empty than take someone's money that they know they can't yet help. And parentheses, the most important word in that sentence was the word yet. Absolutely. That, that sort of, I don't want to say nothing to lose, but instead the more positive phrase of not necessarily needing it. 
when, yeah. when people find that place in their business, that's when there's this comfort where we get on the call with a potential client and it's just from this place of transparency. This is what I can help with. This is it. And I always go back to something I heard Michael DeShallot say, and I, I credit him to go with the ultimate sales closing line. Okay. So what do you want to do? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> that's it. You, that's, that's it. Absolutely. I've been, I've been really fortunate though, because, you know, one of the reasons we got talking for this today is because I own hypnosis online meetups, which, which I created, um, for affordable CPD. So it, by stepping away from that, it gave me more of a goal to, to be able to push that into a much more successful place of where it is now reaching nearly three years. Well, it will, by the time this goes out, it will, it will be three years. Yeah. Could you, could you talk about that project a bit for those that don't yet know what it is? So, yeah, so uh, back in September 2018, I had um, an idea. Well, it was actually just before then. I, I wanted to try and get more meetups in place. I live in Salisbury right next to Stonehenge. I wanted to try and meet up, up with other local therapists. I suppose the inner geek in me was the same as a magic group, you know, where, where we meet, we talk different talks, and we all discuss everything. We can practice on each other and whatever. And just make make our own little not cult but little group and and get talking. I put the idea out there. I think we probably had about 30, 40 people from all around the place who were all interested. It came to the evening and three people turned up. Three lovely mm. people. We had a really <laughs> great discussion. Um, we managed to share things, and all the same things cropped up: women with children, or just not being able to get away because they're single parents or whatever. Um, time frames, clients, uh, and and the such mm. like. And very much like you, I'm very into my tech. So I just thought, why not bring it online? At this point, I, you know, Zoom was still quite new. I'd heard about it. I'd looked into it. And I thought, well, I got up to 100 spaces for a reasonable fee. Uh, if I host it, let's see what we get there. So we pushed it out. Um, and then the first two meetups that we had, it was, um, I think we had about 16 people on board. And we just did just did the same sort of meet. But I also noticed, um, and we discussed about it, we soon noticed that it probably would have gone stale for conversation. So I thought, well, why not make it into the CPD that we should do? Because the UK Hypnosis Convention was coming up when we, when we first met. And I was able to discuss with a couple of other therapists as well. And then Daniel Ryan, uh, based in New York, he said he was more than happy to come on and join me to talk all about past life regression. And uh, as the famous saying goes, the rest is history. I've now hosted over 40 different presenters, I think. I charge a very small fee, basically for accountability, because yeah. there's nothing worse than putting something on for free and then people saying later they just can't find it. That's a very small point, but worth highlighting that I started doing that when I was hosting a meetup group um, in Virginia, that you know by charging a fee, it, it's the same as you've got tickets to go see a movie and it's pouring down rain and you might go, ah, let's just do it over the weekend another time. I would just wait for it to come on television. When someone's done anything of some level of commitment, now it becomes, they make it work. Now, of course, you know, there's going to be extenuating circumstances, but it's just a simple statement. As I know this, uh, paying podcast editors and graphic designers, these things do take time, energy, and money to produce. Absolutely. Um, and you know, I charge so I charge nine ninety nine typically. To mm -hmm. so I, I I do I do a role reverse. I want my meetups to be all about the live audience uh, because the way the way it hosts is a, a person's. I'm hosting the person live, 
Uh, at that same time, because we've got Zoom, I have a number of people on the chat live at the exact same time. So just like you and I are talking now, uh, if you had an audience, they could stop you. You'd ask me to stop and that person can ask the question live exactly about that bit of information. We've all been on yeah. webinars where everyone's typing away at the bottom. And um, you know, let's take Mike and Chris at the moment, they're doing their five day challenge and you know, you see all these comments and there's no way they can keep up with it. But right. by having, <laughs> I'm the narrator at the side, people can put that they've got a question. I can then stop it at a suitable time. We can get the questions in direct to the person and you know, straight from the horse's mouth, so to say. And um, I joined the army for a reason. I'm not the best reader in the world, and no one wants me going. Uh, how does this come across? And you know, and, and next thing you know, the, the the speaker's like, "Can you repeat what that means again?" I didn't quite get it. So instead, I can just unmute the person who typed the question in the first place, or yeah. they have a question, they ask it, the person answers it back, and at the same time, you know. Some people may get a little bit starstruck. You know, I remember the first time going to UKHC, the first one in, uh, well, it was actually the second one at Hilton in Canary Wharf. And, you know, seeing all these different people, it's hard to have conversations and stuff because you, you, all of us, Anthony Jackman, let's take, for example, you know, I trained and learned everything from him. Next, you know, I'm talking magic to him and, and having that there, it just means so much more. And like I say, for the small, for the small fee that it is, the small fee pays for all my different little storage things. I, I stream using Amazon S3. So yeah. every person who gets a replay, they're actually, you know, I pay every single, every single time they watch it, you know, I pay for that stream. So obviously that, that comes out and it, and it runs itself, so to say. So the very, very small profit that does come from it, I'm usually investing, giving people prizes, buying books from a presenter who's there or, or something just to be able to get them back. Or now and then, like I've just had this month with, um, Matt Kendall, where there's a, a free marketing presentation that he's just done. So I like to host someone free two times a year for anyone yeah. who may not know about it. But I was saying just before, in fact, so yeah, I, if someone's joining live, because I like the live audience, uh, they'll get the cheapest price. If they pre-book the replay, they'll pay a little bit more. And if they get the replay, it'll be, again, even a little bit more again. So the drive is to try and attend live. So you can ask your questions. If you miss out, then you pay that a little bit more because because that's my rules. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's great about all of this is that, you know, just to share a connection here, I was the one in the office that was in Virginia, which is now all in boxes. And at the time of this recording arrives in two days. Uh, everything's been in cases for the last couple of months. I had students who would see like all the certificates on the wall and they'd go, hey, wow, you've done a lot of stuff. Um, why are they all within the same two years? It's like, mm. well, I kind of in my head crafted this five-year plan of things I knew I wanted to do in terms of training and getting better at this. And then the revelation of going, oh, wait, we're talking about having kids next year to my wife. I'm going to do everything right now. <laughs> <laughs> but that then morphed into, you know, it was difficult. I try to pack in as much as I could around a conference. Uh, but that's what morphed into then bringing in instructors to Virginia. So, you know, whether it was flying Bob Burns over from Scotland or uh, David Snyder from the West Coast or Inez Simpson from British Columbia in Vancouver, but the whole original side of that had to be, I'm bringing the people who I wanted to go see. And, you know, you all just get to come along too. And that's part of the backstory of this podcast. But what's great about that is the line from the actor comedian, Kevin Pollack, if you're not creating, you're waiting. Mm -hmm. And here was the opportunity, thanks to technology, 
that we could suddenly make that happen and someone could be now face to face and this is what we can do now. Uh, I was laughing what you said about, you know, someone asks a question and then there's the sudden interaction. We keep popping up and doing these four hour sort of masterclass workshops. And in one recently, someone typed in the chat and I just went, hey, your camera's on. Let's just go ahead and unmute you and spotlight you. Can you ask that? Well, great. It sounds like we've got a volunteer for the demo. <laughs> yep. It works It works better though, doesn't it? It works, you know, the, the person actually asking that question, the just the color, the vibe to it, everything. It's, yeah. The amount of presenters who probably said, oh, I might have said a little bit too much about that at the end, you know, they, they, as if they gave too much of their thing. Just because of that question, you know, the gold, the, that little golden nugget that falls out of the, the uh, presentation, which which makes someone smile, makes someone give someone that extra little something that they can go away and work with in their therapy room. You know, that's what it's all about. Or something you said earlier, and I, I'd love to hear your take on this, because honestly, this was one of my sticking points coming from originally a stage hypnosis respect and then moving into working with clients for change. But it's where that that transition, mm -hmm. I have now hypnotized you and now I've got to talk about why you're in front of me. And I think Jonathan Chase, correct me on this, he calls it the super suggestion. Which is Jonathan Something Chase? Something of that, I believe, or somewhat from this point forward. Yeah. Anything which, you can hear, which, you can hear, you can feel, you can feel, anything you can see, you can see. Was that Jonathan Chase or was that I Anthony? I may have heard him say it and highlight it. Let's give him the credit and yeah, yeah. keep going in our chat though. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be just that question. And this is something that pops up in trainings that I offer all the time where they go, but how do I make that transition from the deepener into the actual thing? And the answer technically is just you start doing it. But what's your take on that? How do we start to make that transition if there is even a transition? Yeah, very, very good question. I'm a very direct therapist yeah i'm definitely not a scripter i've tried it, it I, again me and reading doesn't work too great <laughs> <laughs> so i think the best thing to just do is use utilize your imagination and where you believe things are going and utilizing your intention you can guide them to the best information now whether it's content free whether you've got some content just work with them. I believe at the earliest stage, get as much information as you possibly can and guide them towards what you can, what you can construct. Think about the, the languages that you utilize when you're, when you're making your skits up in order to throw the suggestion in place to imagine how they see things, but also calm it down as well. You don't need to repeat and repeat and repeat too much because they won't be necessary in as deep of a trance as what you would be from fraction editing 30 times during a hypnosis show. So yeah, just what I'd mostly aim towards is just taking your time with it. Have have yourself a plan in mind. Now, although some people throw a very big argument of this, I don't use scripts, but at very first I used bullet points. So I had yeah. areas of where I wanted to hit. So should I feel lost, I could look at where I am to be able to keep me on track and be able to work something. Obviously now I have what you could call a script in my mind, but that script changes with every single client that's in front of me, whether I throw some in a chat. I love what you said about the bullet points. That's that's something that, you know, that was in my list of things that I started to do when I first got into all of this, which was mm. to say, let me, you know, let me look at a script as if it were a transcript of someone else's session, but just pull out the individual bullet points of what are the themes yeah, yeah. What are the things that we're bringing up inside of this? And that becomes that sort of session swipe file without 
fully reading to the person, of course, but that's something that we do in the training sometimes to say, okay, so weight loss, here are the themes that most often come up and here's how to handle them. You know, what else do you have issue? And by getting that roadmap, now we've got something to launch from. Well, that's the thing as well. And from what you're saying there about the themes, I like that because I've just had a weight loss client recently and just from talking to her for 20 minutes, it finishes and, and the amount of times we've all had it. It's like, you know, me and I'm completely honest to every client and just say, no, all I'm doing is repeating what the last client said to me because <laughs> you all, you all fall into the same bracket. And for me listening and being able to take it in and be able to regurgitate it back, I'm simply expressing what you what you share is exactly the same to the last successful client that I had as well. And by being able to target that and you know that I can target it, you know that you're going to get the best results from this session today. And obviously that, that little suggestion in itself anchors it even more in to be able to lock everything in place that's required to get a great result from the session. That's a beautiful way of introducing that, especially that they're, they're technically part of a community. And, you know, as oh, they're in that community, humans. right. Yeah. Do you bring any of your own weight loss story into either your marketing or your sessions at all? I did more when I lost, when I lost my weight, uh, obviously naturally the, I had an, a comparison image cause I went from um, 17 stone down to 14 stone. I've probably balanced out a little bit now with children and, and just general life. You always find that balance, but I'm no, you know, I'm never nowhere near the size of what I was but it's being able to understand it. Another little thing is, as well, that I've, you know, I'm the same as what you said before, from having people talk on my meetups, I'm always constantly looking for little nuggets of extra stuff I can add. And I recently hosted Laurie Hammond and, and just some of her pointers from her weight loss. Like for example, intermittent fasting. Now I can't tell someone how to intermittent fast because I'm not a dietitian, but Utilizing her words of uh, eating when your windows are open, yeah, makes it completely different. And to the to the fact I've actually been adapting that in my life, because I I actually stated on there that I couldn't I couldn't not eat in the morning without feeling sick, especially if I had a drink. I then realized that the drink I was having was a cup of tea. A cup of tea contains milk. Milk gets the um, the yep. <laughs> insulin going, which therefore starts my stomach. I started having a drink of water in the morning. I was unable to go up until 12 o'clock yeah. lunch lunchtime to, before my stomach would start rumbling. And it really did make me start to think more about my eating habits and, and how I was behaving. So, so yeah, there's, there's many, many different things. I, you know, I do share some of, some of the analogies of what I went through. And most importantly, listening to that voice that tells you what you should and shouldn't be eating. Um, if it's telling you to eat it, Try it because you'll you'll find that you'll probably enjoy it a lot more. If it's something to stay away from it, then stay away from it because you know that is very likely the thing that's going to make you fat, um, or whatever word you like to use. You know, if well, it's where when you get down to it, it comes down to to borrow a line from Sheila Granger: uh, a few small realistic changes you can absolutely live with. Mm, that no. as someone who's lost substantial weight over the years. You know, it came down to a few simple principles and none of it was the eat this, don't eat that. It was instead, well, I look at it this way now. You know, if mm -hmm. I can look at my plate and I <laughs> plagiarize this one from a client, <laughs> um, if I can look at my plate and I can name all the ingredients, I'm likely okay. Mm -hmm. You know, as opposed to if I'm having to guess what's in it, 
And yeah. some of the takeaways, you know, I'd find its way to turn into some bit of direct suggestion of it the same way that, you know, it's not about when you're not eating. It's instead, well, here's the window is popular thinking in that world as to when you actually are eating. But to, to get into just the simplicity of something and, you know, use the exercise to get better at something as opposed yeah, no, to, you know, rather than the I'm using this to punish my body and burn away all the calories. No, this is I went in for a personal training session recently as we switched gyms and they offered it free. And I'm like, this is not going to go well. <laughs> Why? Because this is my time uh, to practice something, to get better at it, to build strength at something. And like, All right, let's run you through the workout. I'm like. I'm already, I'm already getting angry at this guy. This is not how I do it. <laughs> no, absolutely. And one of the big things as well is obviously the whole term of fat shaming. I don't yeah. agree with, I don't agree with fat shaming, but I do agree with utilizing the words of what the client says. Now, if a client yes. says that they're fat, I will call them fat because that's the terminology that, that they start with. And obviously everything will trigger towards the fact of being fat if you don't stick with it. However, one thing that I, I came up with is the fact of uh, when you're doing a change work, you may come into a room which is full of mirrors. You know, they can decide to stand there, whether they're clothed or, or naked, but they're looking at themselves properly. They're looking at their fat areas. They're looking at their desired self in 6, 12, 18 months' time. And I like them to put on, you know, that, that desired image of what they have. They, you know, they reach forward and put like a morph suit on, just, you know, just a metaphoric stance. But I like to finish it off that at the end of it, they are no longer fat. They are a working project towards that goal of what they want to achieve. And I get them to re repeat it more, you know, multiple times. What are you? I'm a working project. Are you going to achieve that working project? Yes, I am. You know, that, that goal's there. They've, they, you know, they've got something to achieve towards rather than just, you know, the same thing of, oh, yeah, it's been 30, 13 minutes now and I'm still fat. What's going on with me? Do you know what I mean? So completely yeah. shifting all the way to the right. Another thing as well, uh, it's only something I've actually recently started doing actually, is um, when someone states that they have probably too many takeaways, I'd, I'd get them to save their money to one side to see how fast they actually make up the, the cost of what it cost me to, to do the therapy with them. And considering someone saved £132 in, in two weeks, it wasn't very long until the, she was starting to save up her money to to pay herself back for the sessions that she'd had with me, which is quite amazing and also quite saddening to think of how much she spent on KFCs and whatnot in the meantime. Yeah. Yeah. This has been great, Graham, having you on here and hearing the insight as terms of how you got into all of this and especially just bringing the transparency into the communication of it, as well as some great insights of how to work with people. How can people best get in contact with you? Uh, so the best place for me is my hypnosisonlinemeetups.com. You know, I host a lot of stuff through there. I've got a, a Facebook uh, group and page for it. Graham Weber on on Facebook. Feel free to to send me a friend request. However, just send me a little message or something that you've heard from me on here or something. As you can imagine, a lot of friend requests come through. I like to look at profiles to see if they're genuine and stuff. I like to say hi to people. Um, and when I don't get a hi back, then I tend to delete them because you know I'm sure everyone goes through that in their in their careers now. You know, I I do only have one Facebook account, so. I'm more than happy to share things with people, but just just send me a message and say that you heard from me on here. It's, it'd be really great to connect with people. Yeah, and we'll put everything over in the show notes. This is episode number 341. So if you just go to worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash 341, that'll just bring you right over. We'll put those links over on the website too. Graham, before we wrap it up, any final thoughts for the listeners out there? Be yourself. 
be confident and just believe in what you can do. Whether it's trying to get someone into hypnosis, whether it's just trying to connect with someone, think about if it was you in, in them shoes, how would you want to be treated and follow it up? You know, I always say to my children, treat people how you want to be treated. And if you do, you'll always go a million ways in life. If you treat someone in, in a rude manner, you'll get rude back. So always treat people how you want to be treated. And that goes exactly the same for, for therapy. So always, always do that. Jason Lynette here once again. And as always, thank you so much for leaving your reviews online, for interacting with this program and sharing it in your ongoing conversations. Be sure to head over to the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com to find the details as to the community that Graham runs and how to become a part of that too. And on top of that, while you're there, check out worksmarthypnosislive.com. The skills that we have can help people to change people's lives. The skills that we share with our clients help them to transform themselves and even the lives of those around them. However, imagine the confidence that'll be different inside of what you do when you can go about it logically, effectively with proven systems that make it so you can really be there in the moment with your client, troubleshoot any of the process on the fly, and customize specifically to their needs. That's what Work Smart Hypnosis Live is all about. So get the details, watch the full video. We'll see you there at WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at WorkSmartHypnosis.com.